Hello and welcome to Christian Life Church Online. We're glad you joined with us today. We're going to be continuing uh, our series on Fan the Flame and uh, just looking forward to uh, sharing with you some scriptures and some word that uh, I hope will encourage you as you wait on God and as you trust Him for uh, a move of His Spirit in your life. I want to talk to you today about the power of waiting. And I'm going to be looking at John chapter 15, verse 5. And just before we get started, uh, the other day I was um, making breakfast and, and we always buy this uh, natural peanut butter and uh, usually I mix it up and, and get all the oil uh, through throughout the whole the whole jar, and I don't think I did too well on this particular jar. It's almost rock hard in the bottom half of the jar, peanut butter. So I wanted to have some on my toast, so I scooped some out and popped it in the microwave for you know 12, 13 seconds to soften it up, so I could spread it on my toast. And as I was looking at the microwave and 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 looking at what I did, I thought, man, I remember not having a microwave. I remember the first microwave our family got and just how incredibly cool that was and was reflecting on how dependent we are on that technology and how there's a whole generation that's come up that has never known anything but that. Uh, a whole generation that has never not known having the internet or Google. A whole generation that's come up that that can't imagine life without cell phones or smartphones. And we tend to take these things for granted when they're invented. And the reality is they save us a lot of time. I remember days off uh, running around town, paying the hydro bill and, and the phone bill and standing in lines and everything. And now we do it all automatically or online. They save a lot of time. It's quick. And it's very descriptive of how we do life today. We do it at a very fast pace. Now, the, the, the reality is, though, that when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to the working and the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we recognize that the Holy Spirit does not regard our need for instant answers or instant satisfaction. And we tend to be fairly impatient. And I think that a need that we have today is to get reacquainted with what it means to wait. With what it means to wait on God. To get reacquainted with what it means to, to wait for God. Because the Holy Spirit is not concerned at all with with our timelines or our sense of urgency, the Holy Spirit doesn't function like that. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Now, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, there are some significant truths here that I want to share with you. The first one is this. 
Jesus is our source. When we think of uh, Jesus sharing this, he's referring to, to the vineyards and, and they're imagining you know, the, the, the whole concept of growing grapes in a vineyard and, and, uh, and he's making it clear using that analogy that branches draw life, they brought, draw their sustenance from the vine. That the branch is not the source of life, it's just the conduit of life. That life flows into the branch from the vine and out of the branch into the fruit. So life comes from the vine and it produces fruit from that life as it passes through the branch. Now, if you separate the branch from the vine, then the branch will 100% guaranteed wither and die. So John chapter 15 was really some of the final words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he was crucified. And it was probably a fairly troubling scene for the disciples as, as they sat with Jesus and as he shared some different things with them. He told them that he was going to be betrayed. And the disciples were at a loss as to who on earth would betray Jesus. That certainly wasn't good news. It would be troubling. And then we find that Ju Judas takes off from this gathering and goes off to start the process of betraying Jesus. And then Jesus tells the disciples, he says, I'm going away and where I'm going, you can't follow me. You can't come. And these guys are like, man, we've been following Jesus for three years. Everywhere he's gone, we've, we've gone. Like, is he going to abandon us? Like, what's happening here? And really realize he's going to, to heaven. And then he tells him, well, you can't do anything without me. And I don't know how they must have felt, but I think it probably was pretty low. This probably was not a real encouraging supper. They would have felt pretty defeated. So I ask you a question. Do you ever feel defeated as a Christian? You know, you start out okay. You're excited about your new life in Christ and and everything's new and you got new friends and and you feel God is close to you and prayers are getting answered and and everything's new. You're a new creation and you feel good about it. And then something happens. Bad things start to happen. And then you kind of cool off a bit and discouragement and doubt comes in. Well, you've got a few choices to make at that point. You can settle and just say, well, okay, I guess this is Christianity. It's, it's going to be dry and passionless for me. Some people get angry, and that anger is fueled by disappointment because maybe some things started going wrong and didn't work out the way they thought they should or it didn't seem like God answered prayer. Some people fall into disillusionment, and that's fed by doubt. Some people just check out and give up. They just backslide. But here's another way to respond to it. We can learn to grow, double down and really pursue the Lord and get real serious about our faith and mature. You see, anybody can have a crisis of faith. It can come to us. 
And when we have a crisis of faith, oftentimes people begin to question, like, is this real? Do I keep going or do I give up? Now, if you're, if you're like that, you're in good company. Jesus had a lot to say to his disciples in this hard time that was coming. And he was thinking of you too, I think. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. I'm your source of life. Well, what do we do with that knowledge? Well, I think what we do with that knowledge is, number two, stay connected. There are spiritual disciplines, basic spiritual disciplines that every Christian, every follower of Jesus should practice in order to stay connected. Here's one, go to church. Now, if you're watching online, maybe you're in a place where uh, you don't have church, Maybe you're shut in, that sort of a thing. We get that. We understand that. But we need to be connected with the body of Christ as much as it is possible for us to be connected. Fellowship, teaching, discipleship. Let me go back to fellowship for a minute. That's relationships. That's friendships. That's iron sharpening iron. That is people encouraging each other. People praying for each other, people loving each other, people just being friends with each other. That is found in church. So teaching, discipleship, worship, experiencing the presence of, of the Holy Spirit that happens when we go to church. It should happen. So how do we stay connected? Well, we, we should go to church. The other thing we should do is pray. Every day we should pray. Everywhere we should pray. Pray without ceasing. Keep talking to God and, and learn to listen to God. Well, here's another spiritual discipline. Read your Bible. As you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will teach you things. The Holy Spirit opens the Word to you. The Holy Spirit reveals truth to you. It's important to read your Bible. Another practical spiritual discipline is to learn how to serve. You know, when you're serving other people, it's a good way to remain humble. It's a good way to keep the right spirit. It's a good way to keep yourself from becoming self-centered and selfish. So these are some basics, bare minimum requirements. And we should do these things. If we do these things, it can lead to success. Well, how do we, how do we measure success and how do we measure failure? Well, if we're not doing well spiritually, I think we can sometimes recognize it by the fact that we are spiritually cold. And that, to me, would indicate that we're, we're falling into apathy or we're backsliding, we're turning away from Christ. Another way that we can realize that maybe we're not doing well spiritually is, is through distraction. Now, what is distraction to a follower of Christ? Well, it's when other things are more attractive and can draw us away from worship, from the word, from prayer, from fellowship easily. They become more important. They become more attractive to us. They take a greater place of priority. And I want to say to you today that according to how I read scripture and how I read Jesus calling people to follow him, he has to be 
first priority, first and foremost. Ahead of your, your spouse, ahead of your children, ahead of your job, ahead of your interests, ahead of your recreation, ahead of money, possessions. Christ demands that we give our all and follow him with our whole heart and not be distracted. Another indicator that we may not be doing well spiritually is that we would find ourselves easily yielding to temptation. And I want to say here that everybody gets tempted. I get tempted. There are things that tempt me. And when I find that it's easy to fall into temptation, I've got to look back and say, hey, what is going on? Where am I at spiritually? Where am I at with my relationship with Christ? Because according to God's word, I should be able to overcome temptation. And so if we're not doing well spiritually, we're not going to be able to defeat temptation. When we are connected to Jesus, when we're abiding in the vine, it is much easier to overcome temptation. Another way that we can find that we may not be doing well spiritually is through isolation. Suddenly you find yourself alone. You're not in relationship with other believers. You're just kind of doing life on your own and you're disconnected from the body of Christ. Well, Jesus has some solutions to all of this. He said, if you remain in me and I in you, if you remain in me and I in you, Remember all those instant things I was talking about, you know, uh, microwaves and cell phones and <laughs> how fast you can get information on Google? It, it's all quick. It all happens now. But Jesus says here, if you remain in me, if you wait, if you take your time to just remain in Jesus, it's going to make all the difference in the world. Every so often, Joanne and I will have uh, some leftover pizza. And uh, there's two ways you can heat up leftover pizza. I prefer to do it in the oven, not the microwave. Well, if you, you want to have leftover pizza, you throw it in the microwave, you pop it in, you wait you know, 15, 20 seconds, it comes out, it's going to burn your tongue. But if you want to heat it up in the oven, I think the right way, um, you, you turn the oven on to 350, you wait for it to heat up. You put it on the rack and you wait for 10, 15 minutes, whatever, for it to warm up and for the cheese to start melting. And you pull it out just before it starts to burn. And then, you know, you eat it. And while you're doing that, you're waiting for the oven to cool down. It all takes time. One is instant, one you wait. One happens now, the other one you remain, you linger, you pause. Now Jesus said, remain in me. Stay connected to me. Pause. Just breathe. There's something that happens when we choose just to remain in Jesus. In Mark chapter 14, verse 37, Jesus is praying in the garden. And he models this whole thing of waiting in the presence of his Father in heaven. He's spending time in prayer. He's asking his heavenly Father for strength to carry on and, and to be renewed. And while Jesus is waiting in the presence of the Father in heaven, 
the disciples fall asleep. Jesus comes to them and says, are you asleep? Couldn't you, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? And then he says, watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. These were his disciples. And he's saying, you guys got to watch and pray, because if you don't, you're going to fall into temptation. If you fall into temptation, you're going to sin. John 15, 5, he says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now, here's my concern. I'm going to be real honest with you. I always am. But I'm going to be real honest with you on my, on my concern. We've been talking about revival for a number of, of weeks, about eight weeks. We've been praying for revival in our church. And I'll admit some good things are happening. It feels like the spiritual temperature is increasing. People are talking about feeling closer to God, answered prayer, a feeling of the sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit. But we're not having a revival yet. The temptation is that we fall asleep. We stop waiting. We stop remaining. And we say, well, you know, it's been a couple of months and we've been talking about it and I don't know, it doesn't seem to be happening. Maybe God doesn't want to do anything. And then we go back to business as usual. Here's the truth. We need to remain. We need to remain daily in the presence of Jesus. We need to remain in a position of prayer and petitioning and calling out to the Lord. We need to remain in faith, believing and expecting. The result of that, the result of remaining is we bear much fruit. Now, when we bear much fruit, we get to experience victory over temptation. We get to experience souls coming to Christ. We get to experience the manifestation of spiritual fruit and the gifts of the Spirit being, being worked out. We get to experience answers to prayer. And I pray that we get to experience revival. Because, you see, part of remaining is learning how to wait on God. And there are promises that come in waiting. In Acts chapter 4, Jesus said, wait for the gift of my Father, the, the gift that my Father has promised. And that gift is the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's been promised if you wait. So every day, look to the Lord for a fresh filling. A fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, it says, My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. I remember one preacher saying, The reason why we need to constantly be filled is because we leak. Because we are leaky vessels. We are cracked vessels. We are imperfect vessels. And we leak. We have cracks in our earthen vessels, and we need to be continually filled. Well, the third point I want to make today is, is reality check. 
a reality check. You see, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's not pray for revival. Let's pray to be closer to Jesus. Let's pray for the infilling of and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray and seek Jesus and, and pray that he'll bring us into his presence and, and brings us close in an intimate walk. The result of that is revival. We seek Jesus and the result of seeking Jesus is revival. We don't pursue revival, we pursue Jesus. Now we may want revival, but we get it by seeking Jesus. Because Jesus said, without me, we can do nothing. So as I close, I want to say one thing. Seek Jesus. Seek Jesus. Remain in Him. Abide in Him. And watch what He'll do in your life. Well, I want to thank you for joining with us. And uh, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I just encourage you to seek Jesus. Ask Him to be the Lord of your life. Turn from your sin, ask for forgiveness, and confess that He is Lord, and you'll be saved. If you are in a place where you're dry and you're barren, come back, come back, and watch what Jesus will do in your life. Let Him renew you and revive you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we hope to see you next week.